welcome back to the Freewheeling Podcast or the Cycling Tips Podcast if you're listening to this on the regular feed. If you are listening to this on the Cycling Tips feed, make sure to head on over to Freewheeling. We've got a ton of extra content and I mentioned it already on the episode today, but Matt Deneef had a chat with Gracie Elvin on the ground at the start of stage five. And it, I mean, it brought a tear to my eye knowing Gracie and also having grown up watching the Tour de France and wishing that I could race it and retiring two years before, three years before it happened. It, it's, yeah, Gracie is super raw and honest about transitioning out of cycling and, and taking on commentary. And she's doing incredible work for SBS. We miss her so much on the Freewheeling podcast, but she'll be back. So don't worry, but Definitely make sure you check out that episode with her. It's only 22 minutes long, so it's really not not a huge chunk of time lost, and it's well worth the listen. We also did a profile on the young riders, some of the young riders in the race. We've done a bunch of different stuff. We're going to have a chat with Iris Slappendel, who's on the bike in the race, another former professional who is an absolute legend, one of the founders of the Cyclist Alliance. And then we're going to have an episode just about Swanee life and what it's like to be a Swanier on a race like this. So tons of great content over there. Dive into the episode. I just want to give a huge thank you to Zwift for supporting this podcast. I did my first Zwift ride in three months this morning. It was amazing. One of my favorite challenges to give myself on Zwift is to see how many kilometers, Zwift kilometers I can ride in a week. And they've got this really nifty feature where when you sign on to the home screen, you can choose a course. And of course there's a bunch of different worlds. So you can choose, you know, out of New York or the McCurry islands, or even France, you can choose a course to do. And it has the length of kilometers, the elevation gain, all that good stuff. But when you're actually riding, there's a little ticker on the top of the screen that counts you down on how many kilometers you're riding. And so it gives you a really nice goal to aim for. And I absolutely love to get through all of the courses. You can try to ride every single course on Zwift. I have yet to tackle some of the <laughs> longer hillier ones, but it's really, really fun to try to challenge yourself with a lot of those courses on Zwift. And they also have the workouts. I mean, there's just so many features that can encourage you to get on your bike and it's super easy and super efficient to jump on the trainer and do an hour long ride, uh, any time of the day for me, 6am because 10 week old. So thank you so much to Zwift for supporting this episode, but also for supporting the Tour de France Femme of X Zwift. I had an awesome chat with Kate from Zwift that I will include in either one of the minis or in the episode, one of the episodes uh, before the end of the race. And the amount that they are supporting women's cycling and really getting behind women's cycling and are just so excited to be part of women's cycling is incredible. And it's a company that is truly driving women's cycling forward. So I personally am a big fan of them, not only for the product, that they make, but also for what they're doing for the sport. So thank you so much to Zwift for everything that they do. And today on the episode, I am joined by Allison Jackson. We don't have Lauren today. Sorry for all of you Lauren Rowney fans, but she's on her way to the race. So she'll be reporting from on the ground for the final two stages. Allison and I chat about stage six and Matt and Amy give you a little bit of color from on the ground. So here we go. 
Stage six, Tour de France Femme avec Zwift. All right, setting the scene. I'm here, Abby Mickey, hello, with Allison Jackson. Lauren will be here shortly, but we are watching currently the sixth stage of the Tour de France Femme avec Zwift. They have one more climb to go before they descend to the finish. We already saw the descent. It is quite technical. There was a massive break leading up to this, which we will get into after the stage is done. But what we're currently watching is Ellen Van Dyke driving the front of this Peloton. There's one rider still out front. It's Marie Lynette from FDJ Suez Futuroscope. They just swept up Anna Henderson and the Peloton is quite fractured. Uh, this was a much more challenging day than uh, I think I anticipated with the, the pace of the Peloton. I was actually talking to Hannah Barnes yesterday and she said that Every single day, every single moment is just like full on for this race. Like it's never been in, in women's racing before, which I think is understandable given that it's, you know, the Tour de France Femme on TV. Yeah, I think uh, it, it really is like a, a race, like a one day classic every day. And, and there's opportunities for wins or, um, yeah, I mean, just the TV coverage and all of that is, um, yeah, real special on this race. Uh, so yeah, first one ever, all the hype. Yeah, you can dig a little deeper and make some action happen. Allison, you've been in the Peloton not like a crazy long amount of time, but long enough to see the switch between having limited TV coverage to having a ton of TV coverage. Can you tell a difference within the Peloton from with like this is an opportunity to get your Jersey in front of thousands of eyes. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, um, my mom is my biggest fan. And for the first quiz, it was like trying to find all those obscure Twitter feeds or a mechanic from the car that's tweeting about the race. And, and really, if you were a fan of women's cycling, you had to be a super fan because you really had to go try to find where you could get some information of the race. Um, now, yeah, we get to, we get to watch the story play out, but it's getting more and more. And I think also, um, when we had started getting TV coverage, it, it just the last hour, you don't get to see the story. You just get to see the heavy hitters at the front, but there's a whole story of how they got there. And that's where all these teammates make such a big difference. And now when you actually get to see it, it also, um, just elevates the whole Peloton and women's racing and also creates better economics for those domestic type riders who actually now you get to see them do their job. Um, and yeah, that certainly adds value to the riders. So the riders trying to explain to their families what they're doing. Um, and also, yeah, to create just a better economic situation for domestic. Yeah. Yeah. We've definitely touched on it before in the podcast, but it's, it's so true. I mean, all of this, uh, all the coverage we're getting, the fact that we can see races from 85K to go until the finish means that we get to see the work that riders put in to getting their leaders to the lines. And that'll mean that their salaries will go up. And so they will be able to become better athletes themselves. So it's like this everyone's benefiting from there being more live coverage, not just the people who win the races. I mean, I would, I would say that us at home are benefiting the most, but that's just because like, I don't know. I just absolutely love watching bike racing. So I just feel like it's, yeah, 
it's just incredible that we get to watch this. Yeah, we get to watch this and we get to watch the story play out because there's a whole, yeah, it's a whole story from start to finish of what's happening and also how do the riders that are, that are winning, how are they winning? Oh, it's because you can see that, you know, they've got a great position into certain parts of the race or they got a great team or, yeah, was it luck? They just weren't in the in the crash or, um, yeah, it's a whole story that we, that we get to watch even, um, yeah, otherwise in this group, we might think, hey, you know, where's Lorena? Oh, yeah, we saw that crash. She was looking good until... Um, yeah, bad moment on, on the descent. Um, yeah, or the other girls, the team, you know, we're watching why is uh, UAE chasing or, um, yeah, it's because we can see uh, who, who was in the break in the beginning and, and who wasn't and, yeah, what creates the context for what's happening in the final. Which, what's happening now that we're watching, It's we're in the final 4.2 kilometers and into the super technical descent where we just passed where Lorena went down with Alina Amielusik and Lota Kopecky, and Lorena did not look great. Uh, Iris on the bike said that she looked like she was hurting pretty bad, and the last time check, she was almost three minutes behind the peloton, which doesn't matter so much um, time-wise, but I think... I mean, I think she would have made it into this group. So it's a little bit, a little bit of a bummer, um, that we won't see her, you know, sprint again, especially without her lead out train. Like you were saying yesterday, like they're there, it's harder to set up a lead out train when there's a descent like this into the finish. So I think it would have maybe evened out the sprint a little bit and Voss would be a little bit fresher, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Although Lorena is, uh, well, maybe we should say super bold and uh, uh, on descents. Um, I think she, you know, could have even been off the front at whatever point. Or, I mean, her team, it looks like they're really trying to set it up for uh, a Leanne Lippert attack. Um, and she tried to get over top of that last climb um, with the group, but it, it stuck together too much. But, I mean, even setting up something like that, Lorena for sure would bomb down this descent. And, yeah, coming into this last 3K yeah, sprinter can sprint. So, yeah, but it's interesting because now it creates a different uh, situation for it's still going to be a sort of a sprint um, to the line. Um, but now we have a different makeup of, of who's going to be that that winner sprinter. And I think, I mean, Balsamo looks good today. Uh, Voss also um, looks good today. Uh, a lot of Kopecky had that crash. So we'll see just how she's feeling if she has the aggressive enough in kind of the, the technical bits of the final to make it. Um, yeah. Or maybe we get a, a surprise. Yeah. Without, um, without Webus, there's like a couple other riders that factor into a sprint that when Webus is in the mix, I feel like it, we, we narrow it down to only a couple of riders that could maybe come close. But when she's out of the mix, I feel like it's a little bit more wide open because I've Alex Manley is such a good sprinter and she's right there right now. And Marta Bastianelli had a really good opening to the year this year and she did go down yesterday. So I don't know how she'll be feeling, but normally she's quite a good sprinter as well. And one of the reasons that UAE was driving the pace so hard, because once Lauren um, is able to come on, we can chat about how that breakaway should have stuck. <laughs> mm, <for laughs> ah, real. I love a breakaway. I'm just so sad. 
Yeah. Yeah. Bastinelli. I mean, maybe if the team just, you know, if she's on it and she wants to win it, yeah, she could be a, a good win in the final. And we also have Raquel Barbieri from Live Racing Extra that has made it over all these climbs and is in that group, I think. And she had a great, she was in great position yesterday for the sprint. And so, um, yeah, maybe today's her day. Trek did have a really, really good situation today because they had Audrey up there, which they would have been totally happy with Audrey going to the line. Obviously, French national champion, if she could have won this stage, it would have been magical. But they had her up there. They didn't have to do any work. It's There's no turns before the finish today. So Ellen, uh, Eliza and Eliza are going to be able to do their their thing that they do. She's super well-positioned, Balsamo, right now. It, there's a bit of a, of a miscommunication, I think, Elise Longo-Bergini leading out um, Elisa, but Ellen Van Dyke just had Voss on the wheel, so now we're coming into the sprint. Voss, she's got it. She's the strongest here. I don't know. I think Vosmo might take it. No, you're right. You're so right. Oh, Persico just like came out of nowhere on that, on the other side. Nappy. Yeah, she, <laughs> she's hanging in there. She's always in that mix, but not enough to get any extra bonus seconds. Uh, Bastinelli did a good job here in the final. I think she was, I think she was second. Uh, so then, yeah. Okay. So now if we look back on the race, we, then UAE maybe can be happy that they, they rode how they, they did. Cause Bastinelli made it into the final pretty good. Yeah, but you're right. There was, uh, Ellen was leading it out and she was on the front, but Voss was on her wheel instead of Eliza. And so, Aliza was in a good position, but Voss really got that benefit from the the Ellens, as we will call her forevermore. Yeah, there's some miscommunication there. Trek really needed to uh, talk talk it forward to Ellen to just slow it down, because um, otherwise, um, Longo Bergini taking Balsamo from the back to the front that cost her some energy. Just that um, faster speed. Um, right before having to to sprint again. And uh, yeah, they could have controlled that better, just um, having a bit more communication with Ellen. What an incredible Tour de France femme that Mariana Voss is having. I mean, she's she's still not an old rider. We like, it's, you forget that she's not, you know, she's been around for a really, really long time, but she's still very, very much in her prime. And this is just such, it's gotta be just so incredible for her to be in this race for one, given the work that she's done, um, to elevate women's cycling and, and push it forward. And actually, if you haven't listened to the Femmes mini episode with Greasy Elvin, we put out the morning of the sixth stage, um, highly recommend it. I was in tears listening to it. It's she's super honest about transitioning out of cycling and, and into commentary, just a really, really great chat with Matt Denise. So pretty, please listen to that episode. What a great, like Voss is just great. I'm just such a big fan. Like, I love that every time she wins, she's like, it's like her first win. I know it. I, I remember, uh, <laughs> Yeah, I, you know what? As a person who doesn't win all that much, and um, I remember seeing, uh, yeah, Ellen at whatever stage race, uh, and and uh, <laughs> she won, and it was totally just like, uh, basically, she expected to win, and and you know that was that, and then you think, oh man, don't you realize like not many people actually get to win races, and I just want to see a winner just be 
um, thrilled and so passionate that they won because then I'm like, oh, good. At least someone's getting those feelings. Otherwise, you know, <laughs> let it be me. Whenever like a guy wins and they cry, I cry. Like the, <laughs> the it, men or women, it doesn't matter. Like I was talking to um, the rest of the freewheeling podcast about this yesterday. Like, why do I always under underestimate Weebus? Like, she's incredible. She's the most winningest rider in the Peloton. If you look at her pro cycling stats, like you said yesterday, but I always underestimate her. Like, I forget about her. And I'm, it's not like I'm not a fan of her. I just like, I, I don't feel the pull that I feel like I do to Mariana Voss. And I think it's because she's so stoic whenever she does an interview. Mm-hmm. She's she's never like excited that she's won. Her her victory salutes are always great, but she's once you actually get her talking, she's like super deadpan. And, <laughs> and like, and not it's, that emotional part that just like draws you into, into her life and into rooting for her, rooting for her. Exactly. I would say maybe it's like a, a nationality thing, like Dutch are just, you know, very straightforward, but like Ellen is hilarious. <laughs> 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 like there's some Dutch riders to be fair, nothing against Weebus. I think she's incredible. I like, she's just amazing to watch on the bike, but, but yeah, it's, it's so different to watch her win versus Voss. And I, maybe it's because we're like, you know, from North America, I feel like we root for the underdog, but we also root for emotions. So mm. Some people don't want to see Sile crying, you know? <laughs> right. <laughs> you know what is really cool about Voss, though, is is I think as our sport develops and, and there's a deeper field and there's a lot more talent coming in and being able to stay in the sport longer, um, I, it's hard for some older athletes to adapt uh, to it's, you know, becoming a new style of racing. It's becoming faster. It's becoming longer. And Voss has just done an incredible job to still, um, yeah, be winning races before she basically an all arounder could win all the races. I mean, Voss has won the Giro. She, she's won all the races, but now even her interview today, um, you know, they ask her about her GC ambitions and, and she knows that, that, um, yeah, these mountains, they're big mountains and it's going to be for the climbers. And her specialty is these punchy, like she can climb, but the really long stuff is not where she's going to excel anymore. And that's just because the depth of the sport um, is growing and it's, yeah, there's becoming more specialized positions um, where pure sprinters are pure sprinters. And then we have climbers that just focus totally on the mountain days and it can't be this, this all around her anymore, but she's been able to, yeah, find a really good spot for herself and yeah, keeps winning races. I watching the sprint back. I wonder if, uh, if Sylvia Persica will actually get relegated because she, Oof. I mean, deviated her line is like an understatement. She cut across Maria, uh, I can never say her last name. Um, (laughs) (laughs) that was wrong. (laughs) Uh, um, Maria Julia Confalonieri. I'm so sorry. I mean, I got all the letters in there at least, but she really cuts across her and it looks like Maria 
she takes her front wheel out a little bit and Maria stayed upright, but yeah, she definitely like cut her off. Incredible. Yeah. yeah. That's incredible. That Maria, like, uh, they just showed it again. She just like cuts right across in front of her. So I wonder if I was just checking Twitter to see if they, they will relegate her or a docker seconds or something. Cause I would be surprised if they didn't. Yeah. And I wonder if it would be something that, um, yeah, Maria Julia's team will have to uh, contest um, or say something about. But yeah, that the helicopter view of that just uh, yeah, that really is just like a full full cut. Surprised they didn't like didn't really say much about it on the commentary. But yeah, that was uh, that'll come out in the after the stage. And yesterday it was after the stage. Um, Aliza lost nine seconds, but then I think the team contested that. And so they gave her back the nine seconds because there was no, there was no one standing in that corner. Like usually if there's a, if there's a deviation that close to the line, they have like clear markings that that is not where the riders are supposed to go. And it sounded like after the stage, everyone was saying that there wasn't nearly enough markers that that wasn't where you're supposed to go. Still a ridiculous mistake, uh, to make, <laughs> because if you're leading out a sprint, you should probably know which direction the road is going to go. But I mean, in the heat of the moment, you know? Yeah. Sometimes you're just going full gas. You're just going to keep going <laughs> <laughs> wrong way or right way. You're just going to go. Definitely. <laughs> well, Lauren's not here yet, but I think we should talk about this breakaway that happened during the earlier in the stage because it was a massive break and it had pretty much every single Bay team except UAE and uh, Valcar Travel and Service in there. Those were the two teams that were like really driving it on the front. And the assumption was that UAE was maybe working for, for Marta Bassinelli, maybe they didn't make it into the break. So they were the ones who kind of get put in that position to, to be on the front, be present at the front. And then Valkar, I, it maybe pulling for Sylvia Persico, but here's my thing. Sylvia Persico does not need her whole team to keep a break in check a break that is not dangerous at all to the general classification keep it in check when they could use that energy later in the stage to to like launch her forward without even worrying yeah. about the break like if she was going for the stage win like yeah sure but if she's going for time in the general classification which what it sounds like she's going for the gc she's not thinking about stage wins it would just be a bonus then why why did they keep the break in check? I'm going like purely off of feels because I just wanted it to be a breakaway day. Yeah. And also that's, that's the thing in a, in a tour like this. And when the GC is totally going to be made up of these big long mountains, everyone who's in the front yeah, has no threat to the GC and who's supposed to keep that gap in check. It, it's the yellow jerseys team. So let the yellow jerseys team do it. Let them use up some riders and then make um, yeah, make it hard, make some attacks on, on the climbs to see if you can isolate Mariana and then maybe you can get some time or get something, um, out of that with a GC ambition, not with the, the stage. And, but also it's interesting is like those girls that were in the front, um, yeah, after a while, it really, um, yeah, the ambition out of that group also lulled and, 
I would think that everyone in that group would just be so keen on, hey, this is my opportunity. I'm riding in the break. Like, let's get to the final and have a chance ourselves. Um, and yeah, as soon as you get some people who, I mean, maybe it's maybe it's tiredness or or whatever, or maybe they were afraid of how hard that final the final laps were going to be with the climbs that they try to save it. Um, but by doing that, then yeah, they, they lost their own chances of a stage win. Maybe it was just the size of the break because it was quite big, but, uh, but there wasn't really anyone in that break that you would be like, okay, this is a surefire win. Like looking at the composition of the breakaway, there was, you know, riders like, um, Catherine, Christine Mayurus, who is incredible, but not exactly a sprinter. So she could definitely win. Anna Henderson could definitely win. We saw her out descend everybody. Uh, Ruby Roseman Gannon could also definitely win. She's got an incredible sprint. And especially from a small group like this, she would be pretty yeah. dangerous. Audrey Cordon Rigaud could also win. So like looking at the group, it was such a great composition of riders who you wouldn't pick a single one of them above the rest, in my opinion. So I was really excited for that break. For this final, you the girls who are not good sprinters that are more climbers, that like Joss Loudon, like Renee, you attack on the climbs. You try to use the climbs to you know get maybe the faster kind of girls, or at least like take take some of the leg speed out of those faster girls. So you have an opportunity there to try to get ahead um, from your group, or then yeah the the sprinter girls just like stick in um, as long as you can and then try to take it in the final. There's a lot of good options um, that you, it would be hard to predict if the girls raced it or if they kept, kept racing till the end. And I think they just, the speed went out of the group too much um, that when they did start racing, Anna Henderson started racing, um, FDJ started racing. It just was, Uh, they didn't have enough time anymore. Yeah, definitely. It was an interesting, it was an interesting stage. I think it continues to be, um, kind of like a crapshoot, like what's going to happen. And then once the race is over, you're like, of course, boss is going to (laughs) win. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, I, I was really hoping actually just for Audrey Cordon Rigo. I thought she would, I thought she really would have been trying to motivate that group to stay away. And this would be her only opportunity to take a stage win in the French national Jersey at the first ever tour de France Femmes of X Swift. So I, I'm surprised that she didn't, or wasn't able to, um, yeah, motivate the group to, to stay ahead, to keep working all together, but also, um, yeah, she wasn't able to follow the attacks of the girls when they went on the attack, and and I'm, um, she has been looking really strong in the in the last, uh, Balois tour uh, or Baloisi tour. She, she was looking really strong there and super motivated, had a good sprint, good good um, you know, time trial is power. But here in this stage, it just didn't look like she had, uh, it didn't look like she was the strongest in the group. Yeah, definitely. Let's actually. Here from Audrey Cordon Rigo, we have an audio diary from her after the race. Sorry, I'm just handing up the, the day again. Yeah, Nights are so short and we have time for nothing actually. Then 
having massage, heating, hostel, and uh, yeah, it's really long, long days. Uh, by the way, yeah, sorry for yesterday. I don't know what happened. Um, that was a good one, actually. That was uh, me talking about my hair under my arms, but uh, it's okay. Now I was just saying that uh, yeah, we, uh, we, you also realize that on the stage race, as I was saying, you have no time for nothing, not even shaving under your arms, and then in the morning of the race you like putting on your uh your beep shorts and you realize like you have fucking hair under the arms yeah but that was the the little funny funny story of my uh, of my week um whatever uh i had a great day i had a, a super good legs today and the day started pretty bad because you didn't see the the images but uh, Elisa had the bike change after the first climb after 20 k's and I waited for her and I thought yeah we're gonna come back in the downhill we're pretty good on going down so no problem but the thing is like a group of 20 girls were dropped was dropped and so the commissaire did a barrage and in front of the bunch the works were attacking one by one so the pace was so high that we ended up in the middle of nowhere uh, elisa and me and i was like pulling her full gas to try to bring her back but i couldn't make it by myself so in the end leah had to also drop from the bunch to help and then leah was not enough so we had to ask shirin to drop as well so we were three riders dropping to help Elisa to come back for her to not have to do any efforts. Finally, we came back at the bottom of a climb and I can tell you I was about to drop. Like I had to take three gels to make it to the top of this climb. And after the downhill was another climb and then the break went and I ended up following and I ended up in the break. And my first reaction was like, what I'm doing there? After the big efforts I just did, like for almost 20 k's, now I'm in the break and I'm gonna have to pull. And it looked like every teams were re represented, so it was like, okay, this is the day, the break of the day, the day of the break, the day, yeah, but you understood. And um, and it was, but uh, on 14 riders, we had four riders not pulling, which uh, I could understand for Anna Andersen and and. For Francesca um, Koch, because of course DSM and Jumbo uh, had some interest in the, in the bunch sprint and they had the yellow jersey, but we had Kenyon and FDG not collaborating. So it was a bit frustrating and it disorganized a little bit the break and yeah, it started to be really annoying for me. So I tried to attack, they were following, then we were losing time. Then in the end, um, a break, like a break went with basically the girls who didn't work the whole day. So I was like pretty pissed. And Ina asked me in the radio if I was able to bridge on those three and I said, no, I was cooked. So I dropped myself from the break and waited for the bunch to give a last pull uh, to try to bring back the, the break. And then I was basically done for the day. The girls did an amazing job trying to bring um, Bartzi to the to the finish line and Bartzi was just not strong enough to make it. But we tried and that's I think what we have to 
look for, like trying, and you can never be disappointed when you try. And that's, you know, that's that's the main thing. Um, so we had a good day. Tomorrow is another day. Uh, tomorrow and in two days, it's going to be Elisa's job to be up the front and to go for the GC. And we're going to support her, of course, until the end. That was was a really smooth segue, by the way. Sometimes, thank you. (laughs) Thank you very much. (laughs) I set you up for it. (laughs) You did great. You got it. I told you, you've got a job if you ever want to be a podcaster. We also have audio diaries from Veronica Ewers of EF Education, Tibco, Silicon Valley Bank, and Julie Leth and Anadota Island. Island? She told me how to pronounce her name and it's, you know, she's Norwegian. So there's the YS, but I'll, I'll just also insert the clip of them pronouncing names. So you, you can hear that as well, but the, the incredible duo from team Uno X. Hi, uh, coming to you after stage six. Can't believe it's already stage six. Um, two more stages to go. Um, Today felt really fast, uh, but pretty chill at the same time. Um, A break went out at, I want to say, oh man, I can't even remember, maybe 50K in and was out until about um, 15, 20K to go. No, maybe 15K to go. Um, And then it was a very, very, very fast sprint finish. Uh, Mariana Voss won that one, which is absolutely amazing. She's amazing. I still fangirl over her frequently. <laughs> um, but uh, we had Katrin Hamas in the break, uh, and she got the bonus sprint and got a watch at the end and was on the podium. So that was pretty amazing and awesome. Um, yeah, the... Yeah, it felt like a pretty good day today. Um, the bunch was seemed a bit tired at first, and then it got uh, lit up quite a bit later in the race. Um, yeah, mostly safe all day. Uh, one crash on the descent. Um, hoping everybody's okay there. Um, and as I continue to mention, um, just amazing crowds everywhere and amazing support. Um after the finish today, it was a bit hectic trying to find the buses um, again. I think somebody had mentioned that after stage three, it was pretty hectic trying to get to the buses. Um, but today was similar, but we had to go back over the finish line and then ride another maybe 600 meters to turn left and go to the buses. And so it was really fun to have already crossed the finish line and then go back through the finish line and through the crowds to get to the buses and just really soak it in. Um, and people were asking for beat-ons, of course, um, but also uh, throwing out hands for high fives. And it's just the support, again, I know I keep saying this every day, but it's just really incredible and so much fun. And it's just makes this whole experience even better than it already is. So yeah, two more stages to look forward to. Tomorrow is going to be absolutely brutal. Um, almost 4,000 meters of climbing 
um, sorry, 3,000 meters of climbing. Uh, oh gosh, 4,000 would be rough. Um, but um, yeah, we go up the La Petit Ballon first. Um, I'm forgetting the second climb name, but then um, so 8K-ish, 8K-ish climb, and then a bit flat, and then a 14K climb, so up the Grand Ballon. Um, so it should be a very intense, brutal, tough day. Uh, looking forward to it. Uh, we'll see how it goes um, for myself, my team, and for the Peloton. Um, as everybody has been saying, that's going to be kind of the decisive stage as well as the final stage for the GC. Um, so it'll be really interesting to see what the GC looks like after tomorrow and then leading into the last day. Uh, but yeah, looking forward to the mountain stages. Um, it's going to be, yeah, intense, excited for it. And, um, yeah, I'd also, yeah, we're, uh, <laughs> getting to the point where there are some really tired legs and then some people that aren't so tired, but probably are tired, uh, but, you know, that's how it goes. And it just shows how beautifully brutal this sport is to be doing these intense stages on tired legs. So, yeah, it just shows the strength of uh, cyclists. And, uh, yeah, so looking forward to it. Two to go, but focusing on a big day for tomorrow. Thanks. Okay, stage six, and I'm feeling pretty naked. Actually, I've been trying to do this voice note a few times, but I've just failed because I can't do it without me. The best roomie, Anidorti. <laughs> I was, I was going to say put together a sentence in English, but also without Anidorti, I couldn't do it. <laughs> uh, but yeah, Today we had Joss in the breakaway. We wanted a breakaway, but you really needed legs to go in the breakaway, and I didn't have that so much. And <laughs> Anna Dorza is laughing a little bit. She was having a, a bit of a rough day. <laughs> yes. Like, I was so tired today. But as Julia mentioned, you had to have good legs to get in a breakaway. But I was like, fuck this. I have bad legs, but I will try. And... Hopefully they will get better, but I just ended up killing myself. So I had, yeah, nothing to push with in the end. So I was just, just like, okay, goodbye. I will have my own pace because I literally got dropped on the full slot. <laughs> yeah, tough day from our youngster, but she's doing <laughs> super well. We had Joss up there in the breakaway. She was actually saying there wasn't too much co cooperation. Like it wasn't, she was hoping a bit more people would be interested to try and race at least for a stage win. Um, but she did snatch a few points in the... Yeah, the mountain classification and two more stages coming up that's suiting her better. Now we have a little bit of more energy because we just had dinner. And um, it was super nice as always. Actually, what I really want to bring home from this Tour de France is our chef, Peter. <laughs> oh my God. I will miss Peter so much. We have, yeah, the best food and he's just so great. 
yeah, I had him at the Giro and now, and honestly, I don't even know what to do when I come home and he's not there. Yeah, sad times. Those are the, the real struggles <laughs> that we only have one more dinner cooked by Chef Peter left. And now just looking forward to two big stages, especially tomorrow looks very, very hard. And honestly, I think my personal biggest fight will be with the time limit. So please, if you have any, send help <laughs> or pray for Julie. Anna Dorte, Island. Okay, I can do it. Anna Dorte, Island. Anna Dorte, Island. <laughs> All right. Well, I think we I think we covered pretty much everything really quick. We can just talk a tiny bit about the stage for tomorrow because it's going to be a doozy. We have three Woo-hoo! climbs, three first category climbs with uh, it's it comes out to like 30 kilometers worth of climbing. And the final climb to the end is the longest. But the two climbs that are kind of in the middle-ish of the stage are just like boom boom so it's going to be i mean it's going to be a gc day yeah absolutely also that um the the first two climbs are steeper that second climb is has is yeah the steep climbs um so for sure already it's going to be such an attritional attritional race and then um yeah we'll see um who then is is isolated basically like who's who's what team is going to have most of the teammates in the final um i would like to say that fdj should they have they have a yeah a good climber squad um with cecily grace brown um and yeah um really nay is also good yeah um, and we'll see if Anamique still has maybe uh, the Colombian with her. Um, Arlena, yeah, she's a pretty good climber. Yeah, that'll be interesting. Yeah, and then um, yeah, with SD Works, I think it'll maybe it'll just be the the two of them, maybe um, Damian Bolarine and Ashley Wimpasio. Uh, maybe they'll have Marlon Rooster, but it's uh, yeah, it's it's a really hard day. And then with Valkar, I mean, it looks like most of the time in the final, Persco is on her own. So she's just going to have to, yeah, stick with Voss um, until, well, I think she's going to keep an eye on Voss. But really, um, when it comes to some of these longer climbs, um, she's going to need to doubt climber and, and stay with some of the true, true climbers with, uh, yeah, likes of Kazia. I, I feel like she's a little bit more of a, the climber type like Kazia Niamadoma. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how Van Vluten is feeling because obviously she had a little bit of a stomach bug earlier in the week. Um, so I'm, I'm curious to see how that will have affected her. She seems, she is just like incredible and she's basically had two days to recover now. Uh, so I don't expect that she's going to be anything but her best. But it's definitely, it's like Annemiek Van Vluten is up here and then everyone else is like one step below. But that group of everyone else that's one step below is, there's a lot of them. So can their sheer number overpower Van Vluten is the question going into tomorrow. 
Yeah, and you know, we've seen in some races where everyone is basically, every team is racing against Van Bluten. But I think here, some of the other riders and teams are going to have more confidence in themselves. And it's not just going to be a wait until Van Bluten attacks or, you know, just uh, bank on Van Bluten uh, closing a gap or uh, making it back if there is some attack that she she gets dropped from. I think. Um, yeah, girls like Neodoma or Longo Borghini have gained a lot of confidence. Um, and, you know, watching back some of these races where Van Bluen was, was struggling, I think these girls are going to want to, yeah, be dynamic racers and, yeah, really try to win the race by by racing aggressively and racing hard. Yeah, it's going to be super interesting. It, it's either going to be kind of negative or it's going to just be like fireworks and... Um... We'll find out tomorrow when we get there. I'm going to pass on the mic over to Jose Bain to talk about some history, some fun facts about around the race tomorrow. And then when you come back, you'll be with Matt and Amy on the ground. Mountains and more mountains on this penultimate stage of the Tour de France, but also lovely small towns with lots of flowers and a castle. Just after the start, the riders passed the magnificent Chateau de Haute-Koningsbjerg. The first castle here was built as a fortress overseeing the plains in the 12th century and the first mention of the fortress was in 1157 when it was named Königsberg or Royal Castle in German. The fortification work accomplished over the 15th century did not suffice to keep the Swedish artillery at bay during the Thirty Years' War. More about this on stage 8. The Hoek Königsberg defences were overrun. Besieged, pillaged, then finally burned to the ground in 1633, the castle was left abandoned for over 200 years. Its ruins were then classified as an historical monument in 1862. There were ambitious plans to restore it, but funds were limited since this part of France changed between France and Germany, often in the century to follow. The German Kaiser, Wilhelm II, saw it as a symbol of German greatness and just before the First World War, when the region was German, he had it restored. And it was done by scientific precision to really match a medieval fortress, unlike for example Carcassonne, that was more of a romantic interpretation of the past. Many of today's villages are on the list of villes et villages fleuris. Fille Fleury is the official quality label of the annual French national competition for flowery towns and villages. There's a sign attached to the place name sign when you enter a village with one to even four flowers. And this competition has grown in popularity over the past 40 years and what was unthinkable in the 1970s is now a national event in France. People are enthusiastic about improving the green living environment of their village or city, and schools actively participate in this, especially in villages and small municipalities. The jury report of Start Town, Silista, Free Flowers, is as follows. The plant palette of flowering is diversified and the choice of plantations is relevant. Wefts of colour offer harmonious blends. The local government carries out particularly careful maintenance throughout the year and the presence of perennial and native plants increases each year in order to act for the preservation of natural resources. And this is only one third of it. This is serious business. Well, one last quirky fact, Silistat has the honour 
to be the city in France where we find the first mention of a Christmas tree in 1521. Okay then, one last cheese sampling then for this year of hors course. We pass Münster at about 35 kilometers from the finish line. And Münster is the name giver of a particularly smelly cheese. Think, open the fridge and then faint, kind of smelly. Around the, around the year 660, monks belonging to the obedience of St. Benedict settled in the valley of Munster, and they named their monastery after St. Gregory, l'abbé de Saint-Grégoire de Münster. Its monks were perhaps the first manufacturers of this soft, round cheese, of which more than 8 million kilos are produced every year. The name Münster itself comes from monasterium, which is the Latin word for monastery. And the, str- the smell is very strong. And I did warn you. Hello, we are here at the Finnish town of Stage 6, uh, Rossheim. Rossheim, near the German um, border. We're waiting for the riders to cross the line for the first of two times today. Uh, just watching the coverage as we wait, and we've just seen Lorena Vives, and I think that's Lassie Kopecky, uh, involved in a crash. But we've got, what's the situation on the road at the minute, We've Matt? had a group of 14 riders up the road for most of the day. Uh, and they've had a gap that's got to about a minute and a half. The peloton hasn't really given them much more leeway than that. But just now we're starting to see that group split up a little bit with Anna Henderson leading on the descent. And when the riders come past here, they'll have 20 kilometres to go of the final circuit. And then we'll be uh, into the finish here in Rosso. Um, just looking out down this, we're, at, we're standing at around 50 metres to go and the crowds are just lined along the road, like two or three people deep or more, um, banging on the barriers as every as every vehicle comes past. People are getting very excited for the police driving through. We're sandwiched here between a uh, hospitality tribune and a grandstand, I guess at around yeah, 50 to 75 metres to go. And the crowds, as, uh, as Amy said, quite amazing how well populated it is here at the finish, how excited people are to see the finish of stage six. riders remain in the group with a couple more dangling off the back as they go through the finish line with 20 kilometers remaining you can probably hear that it's quite loud here with all the banging on the fences and i imagine the peloton is not going to be too far behind no they had a gap of uh, just under two minutes i think was that the last gap gap was two minutes that was earlier in the stage i think it was 40 seconds just a minute ago oh, was it? I was too busy looking at Lorena on the floor. <laughs> so it won't be too long now before we see the peloton roaring through. It's quite a narrow finishing straight here, isn't it? Yeah, it is, and it's quite technical too. Here 
on the peloton now. towards the back looking like they might have got caught out in that crash Marta Bastianelli was one of them at least along with Borghini was towards the back of the bunch there and we still haven't seen the green jersey Lorena Weaver's come by no I'm sort of sort of surprised Mavi Garcia also towards the back there another bad day for her unfortunately More and more riders coming through in dribs and drabs over the finish after that crash in the bunch. The peloton seem to be taking it reasonably easy coming through. Yeah, that descent and the presumably the crash might have had something to do with it. It's really split off the peloton. The crowds are so loud, I'm struggling to hear what you're saying. <laughs> yeah, it's quite deafening here with everyone banging on the barriers. Yeah, the peloton looked like they're taking here a little comes, bit easier. Here comes Weebus. Riding on her own. Yeah, she looked pretty banged up there. Yeah, Quite really badly cut up elbow. So some skin she off her backside like as well. Yeah, she looked like she was in quite a bit of pain. She was on the radio as she was coming down here. So the riders have now got this 20k finishing circuit to do, which includes a late climb of a couple kilometres. So I imagine we'll see a little bit of action there. Um, what do you think? Is the break going to make it? They look like they had about a minute over the finish line there. Yeah, it's just over a minute. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I think teams like with such a big break and so many teams represented, it's quite, it's looking good for them. I don't know if that's the right makeup of riders though that teams will be happy with. It depends. Yeah, I wonder how that crash will have changed things. As you said, they, it might be that they slowed up a bit as a result of that crash. So that probably plays into the brakes' favour a little bit. Yeah, I think the gap's gone out a little bit since that crash. So it's a really strong break. It's got some really strong riders in it and I think it could make it to the line. Thank you so much for listening to the Freewheeling Podcast. Again, it it's incredible the amount of people that are getting into women's cycling because of this race and are finding this podcast and Lauren and I started doing race coverage on podcasts back in 2017. I think we only had 20 listeners. And so to be in the situation now is, is really incredible. I mean, we just kind of wanted to, uh, elevate the coverage of women's cycling because back then there, there wasn't very much live coverage. And like Allison and I talked about the growth of live coverage means that there's means that we get to see so much of the races but also elevates the stories and the people and all of that so it's kind of surreal to be sitting here and seeing how many people are listening to this podcast and it i yeah i'm kind of blown away by it so thank you so much for listening and we will be back tomorrow to talk about stage seven of the tour de france femme of x-web mm-hmm.